to the preaching and teaching ministry of Marion Oaks Assembly of God in Ocala, Florida. We invite you to open your Bible as we join Pastor Tim McIntyre for today's message for Bible study. I'm going to start off with a story. I can't tell you that it's a true story, but I bet it is. It's a guy who stops by Dunkin' Donuts and picks up a big box of donuts and takes them to work. Which maybe not will be all that unusual, but one of his coworkers says, Hey, listen, I thought you were on a diet. And the guy said, Well, I am. And I was praying on the way to work. God, I am on a diet. I've been praying a lot lately. God, I am on a diet. Would you please help me not to eat anything that is not good for me? But I will be passing by Dunkin' Donuts on my way to work. And if you want me to buy some donuts for the people in the office, let there be an empty parking spot right in front of the door. And he says, sure enough. There was an empty parking spot right in front of the door on my sixth time around the block. Yeah, so (laughs) he is praying hard that God would help with temptation, but he wasn't doing too much to fight it himself. That's kind of the whole point behind this whole series we've been in, and we're getting close to the end of it. We've only got a couple of weeks left. We're calling it living the Lord's Prayer. It's not just praying the Lord's Prayer. We're talking about how we should pray the Lord's Prayer. But the concept here is that we should be willing to live out whatever we pray. If we're going to really be serious about praying, God, you know, end world hunger. That's a big deal. But, you know, do it in our local area. Well, we should be willing to do whatever God tells us to do to end world hunger or to end it in our area. If we want to say, Lord, please, you know, help my friends and neighbors and coworkers come to know Jesus. Great thing to pray, but we need to be willing to do our part, whatever he leads us to do. We need to be able to, willing to live it out. And that's the whole focus of this series on not just praying the Lord's Prayer, but living the Lord's Prayer. And tonight we're up to the phrase, lead us not into temptation. Now, if you've missed any of the previous, which there's been several of them, this is number 10. Um, we've been taking this um, Lord's Prayer statement at a time, then you can go back and listen to those online. But tonight we're going to look at the phrase, lead us not into temptation. So the whole topic tonight is temptation. All right? So let's read the whole prayer, though. In Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 9, Jesus is teaching in the Sermon on the Mount. He's already been talking a little bit about prayer, and he says this. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation. There's our phrase for tonight. But deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So tonight we're going to talk about leading us not into temptation. The whole topic of temptation If we finish the whole thing, great. If not, we'll finish it next week and jump into the next phrase, which is deliver us from evil. So we're going to talk tonight about temptation. And before we jump into the four questions that we are asking every week, what is temptation? If somebody asks you, what is temptation? I mean, I kind of know what it is, but how would you define temptation? How would you define temptation? An urge to do the wrong thing. I, I don't disagree with you. But can temptation ever be an urge to do the right thing? Yeah. So at its most basic root, it's an urge to do something. Okay. 
But we most often think of it in the negative side because, <laughs> yeah, there's probably a whole lot more urges, right? Any other thoughts? Any other ways that you would describe what temptation is? Anybody? The encouragement to do something? Okay, so it's an urge or an encouragement. Okay. Any other thoughts? Vita? Okay, so temptation is being tempted to do something. So you're using the word, the dictionary does that too. Okay, so in a spiritual sense, it's often something that's not according to God's plan for us. Have you ever noticed that sometimes, you know, the dictionary uses the same word in the definition? You know, it always frustrates me. But anyway, uh, one of many definitions, the one I have on your note sheet is this. Temptation is the desire to do something, especially something wrong or unwise. Again, there could be a temptation to do something good, you know. You might be really tempting, tempted to do something special for your spouse if you've got one. You know, and your spouse is probably saying, yeah, be tempted. I like that. But most often we think of the negative. I like this definition. Temptation is that inner voice that says, go ahead and do it when you know you shouldn't. Okay, that's actually your conscience. But anyway, so this phrase, this, this, this statement in this prayer is, Lord, lead us not into temptation. We're supposed to ask God, lead us not into temptation. Lead. So is God in the habit of leading people into temptation? No? Well, then why does Jesus say we should pray this? Isn't that kind of redundant? Why does he say we should pray something that God's not going to do? Sharon? I think God allows us to resist. Okay, so God allows us to go through things, which can be temptations, but they are to test us to see if we'll be obedient, and there's other purposes too. Right, Mm-hmm. So it can build our character. So going through temptation can have a good result because God's going to use it to test us, right? That's what you're saying. So then why would we ask God not to let us do that? <laughs> you had a great answer, Sharon. I'm not giving you a hard time. We got Joan. Because we're human and we are weak. Okay. You may be the assumption here is, God, don't let me be tempted beyond what I can bear. God, don't let me be tempted too much. You know, God, I don't want to be tempted at all. So whatever you can keep me from. Yeah, because we're human. We're weak. Chris. Yes, you know, temptation, um, it starts in our thought life. It starts inside of us. But it is um, often presented to us, and if not presented to us, uh, initially, it is definitely stirred up by our enemy, the devil, Satan. He was involved in the temptation of Eve. He was involved in the temptation of Jesus. The Bible says he's involved in our temptations too. Okay? All right, well, let's jump into this. I think it will come a lot clearer as to why and what, why Jesus said to pray this and what it means as we look at these details. So there are four questions that we are asking of every aspect of the Lord's Prayer. The first one is this, what's true, what truths are found in this portion of the Lord's Prayer? So we're looking at, lead us not into temptation. So this is one of those big topics. That's why the notes are a lot longer tonight. But what are some general principles that we find in God's Word about temptation? What did you say, Verissa? Jesus does not tempt anyone. 
Okay? And God does not tempt anyone. Okay? That is a basic principle of God's word. Is that a biblical foundational principle that God does not tempt anyone? Yeah, in fact, that's the first one on the list there. I'm sure Verissa got it all by herself. But letter A is that God does not tempt anyone. The Bible makes that very, very clear. James 1.13, let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. And that's where um, there, uh, if I remember correctly, there's one unfortunate instance in one of the translations. I can't remember for sure which one. I have a suspicion, but I'm not sure, so I don't want to demean it. That one of the translations says in Genesis 22:1 that God tempted Abraham. God did not tempt Abraham. He tested Abraham. Okay? So God does not tempt anyone. What are some other... I went ahead and gave you that one on the note sheet because it happened to be the first one. But give me some more ideas, some more principles, some more thoughts that there are about temptation in God's word. God allows the devil to tempt people. And I like the way you worded that. He allows him. Satan can't do anything that God does not allow him to do. But when he does allow it, there's a purpose. Yeah. When we give in to temptation, there's a price to be paid. Okay. That's one of the points we're going to get to tonight, too. There's a price to be paid when we give in to temptation. All right? Any other major thoughts from the Bible about temptation? All right. That's a very good point. Everyone faces temptation. Yeah. Um, if you say, I've never been tempted, then you are being tempted with pride or ignorance or whatever. <laughs> Everybody faces temptation. Even Jesus faced temptation. Yeah. Chris, you got another thought? Temptation, uh, temptation can live, lead to sin and death and what else? I still didn't get the last part. Now, everybody's saying I can't understand. I'm sorry. My ears are just... Oh, okay. Physical death and spiritual death. It's the spiritual death I couldn't hear. Anyway. Yeah. Carlton. You know, temptation, as Carlton says, rightly so, reveals a lot about ourselves. Have you ever been in a situation, you see somebody do something, oh, I could never do that. I would never do that. But then later on, you got yourself into a situation. It's like, oh, my goodness. Maybe you didn't do it, but you were tempted, right? You know, there have been many people that have said, and inside there's something to me that wants to deny it, but I think it's probably true that anybody's capable of anything under this right circumstance or the wrong circumstances, whichever way you want to look at it. You see somebody that murders somebody? I could never do that. Under the right circumstances? We probably could, you know? The right temptations, the right pressures, the right whatever. Well, let's go ahead and go on because we do want to try to get through this tonight. So that first question, what truths are found in this portion of the Lord's Prayer? What does the Bible teach about temptation? Again, what I have on my note sheet is just a summary of what I came up with. There's a lot of other truths. We could write books about temptation. But the first one we already answered, Verissa mentioned, God does not tempt anyone, which James 1.13 tells us. B, but God does test his people. God does test 
his people. Genesis 22, 1. As I said, um, there's one translation, I can't remember the exact one, uh, translated that, that God tempted Abraham. That's not the intent there. God tested Abraham. But it's easy to think of the confusion because in at least the Greek language, I don't know if it's sure the same in Hebrew, that the word for test and tempt are exactly the same. In Greek, it's perosmos. Okay? Uh, you don't have to memorize that. It's not going to be on the test. It's not on your note sheet either. But anyway, that word, how do you know whether you translate attempt or test? It depends on the context. Okay? It depends on the context. But God does test his people. We see that God tested Abraham. Genesis 22.1, God tested Abraham. What was the big test that Abraham had and he passed it? God said, sacrifice your son. That's a whole other bag, can of worms to dig into. Why in the world did God do that? We studied it before. We'll have to study it again sometime. Um, Anyway, in Deuteronomy 8.2, when Moses is reviewing what God did when he delivered his people from Israel, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years because of disobedience, and now they're getting ready to go into the promised land. God, uh, Abraham, God is speaking a lot of things through Moses, but in Deuteronomy 8.2, he says, And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness, that he might humble you, testing you to know what's in your heart whether you would keep his commandments or not. Now, they ended up wandering in the wilderness for 40 years because of their disobedience, but God used it as a time to test them, okay? And as Sharon said earlier, when God tests us, one of the main reasons, and this goes back to what Carlton says, to show what's in our heart and maybe to mold us and to shape us and to help us to grow and mature, okay? All right, there's a really interesting one in Deuteronomy 13, verses 1 to 3. You can read it later. But basically, Moses, God speaks through Moses. He says, by the way, if ever somebody comes up and says, I'm a prophet, and they even do a miracle, something supernatural, and they say, now let's go worship some other gods. He says, they're a false prophet. They should be put to death. But I've allowed it to happen to test you, to see if you're really going to serve me and love me. Okay? So there's a lot of different things that God did to test his people, and he still does for us today. But it's always for a good positive. It's sort of like an engineer or an architect that wants to build a bridge, and they test the metal. They don't want that metal to fail, but they're going to test it because they want to know it is going to fail. Because if it's going to fail, they're going to make it stronger, right? The purpose is that it will succeed, all right? As I said, it's the same root word, and the context determines the meaning. But what that also means is that temptations can also be trials. And trials can come because it's a temptation. But the way I like to look at it is this, is that whenever these things come our way, these difficulties or whatever it is, it's a temptation, it's a trial, it's both. God's up there rooting for you. You can pass this test. You can do it. I'm going to be good out the other side. And Satan says, fail, 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 fail. Satan's rooting for you to fail. God is rooting for you to pass the test because he wants you to succeed and he wants you to grow. So God tests his people so we can grow, become more mature, have increased faith. Um, I'm going to read James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. James says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials. And that word is the same one. It can be also temptations. Okay, of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. He says, listen, you can actually have joy if you take the long-range view of things when you go through difficult times, because God wants to use those in your life to help you grow. Okay? 
And uh, I put these other verses there, not so we can read them tonight. You can read them later, but Romans 5, 3, 1 Peter 1, 5 to 6, and 1 Peter 5, 10. They all say very similar things, that we're going to go through difficulties in this world. We live in a sinful, fallen, evil world. We're going to be tempted. We're going to be tested. God will allow a lot of things, but his purpose is that we pass, that we grow, that we develop, and we come out stronger on the other side. Okay? Letter C. Temptation begins with desire, can lead to sin for which we deserve death. Temptation begins with desire, and it can, it doesn't have to, lead to sin for which we deserve death. James 1, 14 to 15 says, But each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death death sin is that which separates us from god and because of that if it's not dealt with which jesus did on the cross and we're not trusting in that if it's not dealt with then it eternally separates us from god physical death and spiritual death all right and then the last one letter d um, this is what um, vita said god will not allow us to be tempted beyond our ability that's a promise we need to hold on to because it doesn't feel like it sometimes 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation, and again, the word there can also mean testing or trial. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. He says he's either going to give you the strength you need to endure it, but eventually there will be a way to get out of it. It's not going to last forever. I don't know about you, but I pray, God, open the door quick. (laughs) But in the meantime, give me the strength, right? So that's a great promise to hold on to. Okay. So we go on to our second question. How are these truths evidenced in Jesus' teaching and actions? What do we see that's related to temptation in Jesus' life, his ministry, his teachings? You see anything about temptation in Jesus' life? Sharon. Jesus, and that's key too. You could have just said, well, Jesus was tempted, right? He was tempted for 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness. But the prelude to it is he was led into the wilderness to be tempted. The devil did the tempting, but God actually led him to the place where he was tempted. You see the balance there. God was putting him through the test so he could experience everything that we experienced, but he was successful, did not sin, okay? Um, But... Jesus faced temptation. That's number A on your sheet, so we'll go ahead and give it to you. Jesus faced temptation and resisted it and was successful. You can read about it in Matthew 4, 1 to 11 and Luke 4, 1 to 13. So Jesus faced temptation and resisted it in the wilderness. What else about Jesus' life is related to, associated with temptation? Chris? Jesus overcame it with the word. Jesus overcame temptation by using God's word. We're going to talk more about that later on when we get to the practical side. Carlton. By Satan or by the Spirit? Okay, because the scripture said he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. That's what we were talking about. Right. Yes. Even as we are led by the Spirit, we may end up in situations where we're going to face trials, tribulations, and temptations. Exactly. Exactly. Can you think of another time when Jesus faced a very strong temptation? 
in the Garden of Gethsemane. The word temptation is not used. But if Jesus was tempted at the beginning of his ministry, I can't imagine, but he wasn't tempted even just as strong or more strongly in the Garden of Gethsemane. You know, when he had that prayer, he said, Lord, you know, in his place, God, I don't want this to happen. If there is any way, anything else we can do, take this cup of suffering. He knew he was going to the cross and what it would mean. Just any way, take it away. But not my will but yours be done. And that's what the other um, reference is there under that point. Jesus faced temptation and resisted. It was Luke 22, verses 39 to 46, which the story is found in Matthew 2. Anything else about Jesus' life and teachings that's related to temptation? Jesus never gave in to temptation. All right? Um, I'll tell you what, we'll go ahead and deal with that. That's letter B there. Um, I didn't put down here that he um, endured it, but I put down that Jesus understands our temptation. And the support for that is the scripture that Vito is referring to, Hebrews 4.15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. So that's something that's associated with Jesus' life and ministry, that he understands what we're going through. Okay? He understands what we're going through. Now, that does not mean that he was literally tempted with every single temptation that we could possibly face. Jesus was never tempted to look at pornography on the Internet. There was no Internet. Okay, but I guarantee you that Jesus was tempted with lust. That sounds weird to say. But every category or type of temptation that there is, he faced it. Okay? But he was successful. Sometimes people say, well, yeah, but he never gave in, so he doesn't know what it's really like. Well, let me ask you something. Um, How much does it take more or less strength to resist temptation than to give in? More. Jesus faced temptation at a higher level than we ever will because when we give in, the temptation is not there anymore because we gave in. I mean, not that it's not there, but I mean we gave into it. But for him to resist and resist and it gets stronger and it gets strong, but he never gave in. He experienced at his highest level of any type of temptation. All right. I'll go ahead and give you the third one here. Jesus told his disciples that prayer is crucial for overcoming temptation. Same story, Luke 22, when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. He gets there, the disciples are there, and he asks Peter, James, and John to go a little bit further with him. And before he goes and prays on his own, he says to them what? Pray so that you may not enter into temptation. And he comes back and finds them sleeping, right? Then at the very end, when it's all over with, the soldiers are coming, he repeats himself again. I mean, they're not, there's no more time left to pray, but I think he's saying it again to let them know, okay, you failed this time, but this is the key for going forward. Pray that you may not enter into temptation. So praying about this is so very, very important. Now, I didn't come up with any others off the top of my head. Can you think of any other things that are associated with Jesus and his life and ministry that have to do with temptation? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, when he appeared before Pilate, and Pilate said, are you the king of the Jews? And, he's, and he basically said, well, not like you think. I've got a kingdom, but it's not like this. And, you know, if you think about it, Jesus was probably very tempted on the cross to come off the cross because he could have at any time. There's so many things, you know, that we might be able to point at a story in the Bible and say, it doesn't say it there, but I'll bet you Jesus was tempted, you know. When Peter kept getting it wrong, he probably was tempted to whack him upside the head and say, hey, wake up, Peter. <laughs> Maybe not really. I don't know. I know that if, uh, if it was one of us, we might would have had a different 
uh, we might have been tempted to do some things. Let's go on to the third question, okay? How should these truths impact the way I pray and what I pray for? All these things we just talked about that the Bible teaches about temptation, the examples we see in Jesus' life and teachings, okay? And, you know, Jesus said we should pray, um, lead us not into temptation. What does this whole thing about temptation, our facing it, how difficult it can be, how should, it, should that influence our prayers, what we pray for and how we pray? Now, we can make a long list, but what are some things that come to mind? That as you're praying about temptation, what are some things that you would pray? Or how would that impact your prayers? Be specific? Okay, when you say be specific, be specific about what? Specific temptations? Yeah. Okay, so whatever you're tempted with, because, you know, everybody's temptations, there's some general ones that most people deal with, but the specific temptation in your life may be a little bit different. So be specific. Don't just say, oh, God, keep me from being tempted. I mean, that's fine to pray, but whatever you're specifically being tempted about, pray specifically. Very important. Yeah. Chris? Yeah, it's the verse that we did talk about, 1 Corinthians 10. So as you're praying, okay, keep in mind that other people are going through it too. And you didn't say this, but that brings that pray for other people too, you know? Um, Peter also says something about that we're going through the same type of situations. Peter and um, Paul both say that. Okay, so praying for others, but keeping that in mind so we don't get too overwhelmed. Amanda? What did you say? Pray that you can realize when you're being tempted. Okay, so you can be aware of it. You have your eyes open, right? So you don't walk smack into it. If you're walked into a situation, it's like, oh my goodness, if I saw that coming, I'd have run the other way a lot quicker, right? Carlton. That's a good point. We need to pray in confidence. You didn't use that word. In confidence and anticipation. God's given us these promises. The one we already said, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, 31, which, 13, yeah. Claim you that promise. Uh, you're not going to face anything that you can't handle with my help. And I can bring all things to the good. You know, I can bring good out of all things. So we can pray, even though we're under difficult temptation, we can pray about that temptation with confidence. Not like, God, I hope you get me through. I don't know if it's going to work. No, God, you can help me do this. You've promised I'm going to stand on your word. Very good. Anything else about how this concept impacts the way we pray and what we pray for? So anticipate that your prayer is going to be a spiritual warfare. Yeah. And we're going to deal with that evil thing next week. You know, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil. Some translations say evil one, but it's literally the evil. And translations put one and then they put it in there, which is very real that it's talking about the enemy. Okay. Did I see another hand back there? Tim, did you have your hand up? Go ahead. That's another way to do what Vita said about praying very specifically. Lord, help me to guard my eyes. Help me to be careful of what I see, what I allow to come in there. Lord, help me to guard my heart. Guard my ears. Okay, so that's another way of praying very specifically about the whole issue of temptation. Nova. Um, go to God's word. Go to God's word. Yeah, we talked about how Jesus battled temptation by using God's word. We need to do the same thing in prayer. Is we're praying about temptation, we're praying about things we're going through. We need to, even if we got to do some research to find the right verses. The thing is, is this so easy for us today? 
I was preparing this. I want to make sure I didn't miss anything important. So I did a Google search for um, what does the Bible say about temptation? And then you got all these things. The top 25 verses on temptation, you know, whatever your temptation. What does the Bible say about pride? What does the Bible say about self-control? What does the Bible say about lust? What is that? Whatever your temptation. You can do that and you get all kinds of verses and promises and God's word that you can use for ammunition and use in prayer to help you with that. All right, let me give you the ones I have here. Number three, how should these truths impact the way I pray and what I pray for? Letter A, pray that God will keep you away from tempting situations. Pray that God will keep you away from tempting situations. I think that's part of the intent of what Jesus is saying here. God is going to do what he's going to do. He's going to allow us to get into situations to test us. But there seems to indicate here that even though that is going to happen to some degree, that because of our prayers, maybe he won't let it be as bad or as many or something like that. And it's, hey, it's sort of, God, just help me to just, I mean, if I get tempted, I need help, but help me to just avoid it, you know? Help me, keep me away from tempting situations, all right? Letter B, another thing we can pray, pray that God will help you stand firm and do the right thing when you are tempted, It's like, God, I'd rather not be tempted, so keep me away from it. But when I get into it, help me to stand firm. Help me not to give in. Okay? And that's where we have that promise, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. You say, but I can't. Well, God's word says, yeah, you can. It may be really tough, but you can do it. You can do it. So pray that. Pray, God, help me to stand firm and do the right thing. Okay? Letter C. I can relate to this one. Pray that God will bring your temptation to an end. Have you ever been in a situation where you're just facing the same temptation over and over again? Or it's a situation that, you know, it's like, God, just just bring this to an end. You know, I'm I'm battling. You're helping me so far. Um, I messed up one time, but I'm back on track. Whatever. But God, just bring this to an end, whether it has to do with a person, a situation, or whatever. But God, if there's any way you can just put an end to this thing, that would be fantastic. And then letter D, pray all of the above requests for others. Keep in mind, this is one of those requests. Lead us not into temptation. We talked about that way back at the beginning of this series, that a lot of these requests are us and our, because we're not in this by ourselves, okay? Um, That's a good thing because we are here to encourage and support one another, but that also means we have a responsibility to care about other people and to pray for them the same way. So we can pray the same thing, and I would encourage you to pray it specifically. Your family members, your friends, you know what they're battling with. Pray for them specifically for that thing you know they're battling with. Melva, you were going to say something? That's a good way to pray, too. You can write that one in. Lord, help me to learn the lesson quick so I can get out of this situation. Exactly. And and, and I'll tell you what, that's another one, too, is when you're going through something. Lord, what are you trying to teach me? Show me what you're trying to teach me. Help me to learn it quick (laughs) so we can shut this thing down. All right? All right. Well, I'll tell you what, we had the longest set of notes. We're probably going to get all the way through it. That's good news. Question number four. How should these truths impact the way I live 
as I seek to follow Jesus. This whole, all this stuff we just talked about with temptation. We can pray about it till we're blue in the face, but the idea is we should also be willing to do something. The illustration I opened up with, the guy that's on a diet, he says, I'm praying hard that God will help me not to eat it, but he's not doing anything. He's driving around Dunkin' Donut looking for that open parking space in front of the front door, and it must be God because it is open on the sixth time around, okay? So what should we do? How should these truths impact the way we live, not just the way we pray? Y'all looking at the sheets like, I'm going to fill in the blank. How do we battle temptation? If somebody were to ask you, say, how can I battle temptation? How can I get victory over temptation? What would you tell them to do? Verissa. Pray for God's help and take advantage of his help. God offers to help. Okay? What else? What other advice would you give someone if they said, hey, how can I have victory over temptation? Melva. What? Call you. Call Melva. Okay. So call Melva. She'll pray for you. She'll encourage you. And that's a good point, though. Call somebody. You know, everybody needs people that they trust. Okay. This doesn't just mean you open up your heart and life to everybody because there's certain people, if you do, everybody's going to know. And there's certain things you don't want everybody to know. Okay. But there should be some people you can trust. Are you raising your hand to somebody that you, people can't trust, Joan? Or you got a question or an answer? <laughs> I got to give Joan a hard time. What do you want to say, Joan? You forgot. <laughs> exactly. We talk about praying scripture verses. Memorize them. Yeah, memorize them. You know, I said you can find them real easy by doing a Google search. But if you're under a heavy temptation and you're not close, I was going to say you're not close to your computer, but you got one in your pocket. I just, but the thing is, you know, you're under, you may not have time to look. It's like, I, I wish I knew that scripture. I wish I knew. If you know it, you can just, ooh, right out there with that scripture. You hide it in your heart. Yeah, we're going to read that scripture in a minute. Okay. Anybody else beside Chris? Because Chris answers a lot. We're going to get back to you, Chris. Robert. Okay, prepare ahead of time. Prayer is one way to do that, but prepare ahead of time. Be aware. You know, you can't just say, oh, I was tempted yesterday. I probably won't be tempted anymore. Or at least not today. We're going to face temptation. So you need to be aware and you need to prepare. We could make a really good statement out of that. Be aware and prepare for temptation. All right, Chris, go ahead. And then we'll come back to Vita. You two have answered a lot. We've had some great answers, so go ahead. Okay. Yes, spiritually speaking, we are seated in heavenly places with Christ. He is there for us. The Bible says he's interceding for us. He's always on our side. We may feel the presence of Satan or demonic powers trying to tempt us, but realize whether you sense it or not, Jesus is there in an even more real way, and we can depend upon that. Vita, you had something to say. Yeah, be a doer of the word of God, not just to hear. Basically, live a lifestyle of obedience. The more you learn to obey... The easier it'll be, it'll be for you to um, withstand temptation. Yeah. Okay. Let me go ahead and give you what I've got. We're actually going to finish this tonight. I'm thankful for that. How should these truths impact the way I live as I seek to follow Jesus? I broke it up into bigger categories with some smaller categories, smaller things underneath it. The first one goes back to what Bob was saying, and a couple of you other mentioned. Be aware of your weakness regarding temptation. Don't get full of pride. Well, I'd never be tempted by that. Or I've got, I got the victory over that. I was tempted by that, but I don't, no, don't, you know, don't. Just be aware. It doesn't take much 
to change the way you feel about something or, or, or your circumstances. So be aware of your weakness, James 1.14. But each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. So be aware of that. 1 Timothy 6.9 says, and, and, and again, I'll just preface it. We often think I don't fall in this category, but every single person in this room falls in this category. 1 Timothy 6, 9. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Paul says one of the greatest things that pulls people into temptation, which leads to destruction, is the desire for more. And none of us can say, I've never desired more. Okay? And that doesn't necessarily mean that more is bad. But when we are overcome and give ourselves over to that desire that becomes the thing we pass. That's that, you know, the, the thing we want. We want more and more and more. More money, more things, more bigger, better, newer, all that kind of stuff. Okay? It can lead to a lot of problems. Carlton. One that means to remember That's right. Godliness with contentment is great gain. That's right. Now. You see on this, it says letter A, do whatever you can to be prepared for temptation. Number one, beware of your weakness. There's a number two, and I forgot to put it in there. So I'm going to tell you what it is. I got to where I finished the lesson, did the handouts, did the PowerPoints. Like, I forgot number two there. Okay, the number two is be alert for your enemy. Somebody mentioned it earlier, but part of doing whatever you can to be prepared for it is be alert. You've got an enemy out there to get you. Okay, and James talks about that. Peter talks about that. Be sober-minded. Be alert. You've got an enemy like a roaring lion, wants to devour you. So be alert and uh, sober-minded for your enemy. Okay, so that's number two under A. Okay, so A is do whatever you can to be prepared for temptation. B, do whatever you can to avoid temptation. Do whatever you can to avoid temptation. Again, going back to the opening illustration, the guy says, I'm on a diet. I want to not. He did nothing to avoid <laughs> His temptation. He, he, he did everything he could to try to put himself into a, a place where it was even stronger. Do whatever you can to avoid temptation. Vita? Mm-hmm. Yeah, don't go down the street where that woman lives. Don't go down that street where those donuts live. <laughs> you know, whatever the temptation is, don't go down that street. Proverbs 7, okay? The uh, first one fits with that. Number one, under B, stay away from situations where you'll face temptation. Stay away from situations where you will face temptation. A guy told his friend, I broke my arm in two places. He said, if I were you, I'd stay out of those places. <laughs> anyway, just a little bit of humor. You know what? I think we've all probably been guilty at some point of I don't want to sin, but yet sometimes we try to see how close we can get. Because we like the temptation, we like, well, if I can get just a little bit further, but how far can I get without sinning, you know? You've probably seen this in the news, like I have over the last couple of years, is taking selfies is such a big deal, and you see people at these national monuments and stuff, they get too close to the edge, they take a picture, fall off, and die. Also, they can post something to Instagram. We laugh, and it's sad, you know, people jumping over fences and breaking rules. And, you know, but you know what? We laugh, but we do the same thing spiritually sometimes. How close to the edge can I get without really sinning? You know, stay away from situations where you will face temptation. Stay away from the edge. There's an old saying, and I'm old enough to remember it. 
If you don't want to fall, don't walk in slippery places. Okay? Yeah. Uh, a simple illustration I've used many times before. That's why um, it would not be a sin for me to do so, but I don't meet with women alone, with a, with a woman alone. Okay? There are counselors that do. There are pastors that do. They probably have other things in place, but that's just, that's just a standard I have. You know, if a woman wants to talk to me, either they got to bring somebody with them or I'm going to have somebody with me. Or we're sitting in a room with the door wide open. There's my secretary, you know, whatever. But I'm not going to meet in a closed room with a woman alone. It just doesn't happen. You know, and that's just one of the ways of me putting this principle into practice. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that's a really good example. We're going to get to that on the last point. That we may be doing something that's not a sin, but because we're willing to get close to the edge, somebody sees us, leads them to that edge, and they don't have the wherewithal to stop. So we've got to keep in mind not only what, how our actions affect us, but how they affect other people around us. Our yeah, we are our brother's keeper. Okay. So where is the first one? Is stay away from situations. Letter number two under B is stay away from people who will lead you into temptation. Now, all of these are as best you can. We still live in this world. You cannot find yourself in a situation where you isolate yourself totally, where you'll never be tempted. You know, for centuries, people tried to do that by becoming monks and going to the desert and living in caves. And there's all kinds of testimonies about how they had a harder time face, uh, dealing with temptation than people that were out there living in the world. But to the best you can, okay, stay away from people who will lead you into temptation. Lots of verses, but 1 Corinthians 15.33, do not be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Just a general principle. Basically, you hang out with bad people, you're going to be tempted more. What did you say, Dorothy? <laughs> Must have been good. Okay. Proverbs 13, 20. Whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. Okay? So stay away from people who will lead you into temptation. So, um, letter A, we um, do whatever we can to be prepared for it. Letter B, do whatever you can to avoid it. Letter C, do whatever you can, can to say no to temptation when you're in it. So, prepare yourself for it. Try to avoid it, but when you can't avoid it and you're in it, do whatever you can to say no. Number one, under that, run from temptation. Run from temptation. Paul says in 2 Timothy 2.22, flee youthful passions. You say, well, I'm not all that young. I can relate. Even old people are tempted with youthful passions. So, <laughs> doesn't matter how old you are, flee youthful passions. All right? 1 Corinthians 6.18, flee from sexual immorality to get more specific. Heard a preacher once say, let's dig into the Greek. You know what the word for the Greek word for flu for flee means? Run really, really fast in the opposite direction. So <laughs> so anyway. Run from temptation. Again, sometimes we play with the temptations and just let them go on too long. We need to say no. And you know what? It's easier to say no at the earlier stages. Um, you know. You maybe have seen it in a cartoon, maybe in real life. I don't know. Somebody rolls up a little ball of snow and sets it off down the mountainside, and this little gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. You can stop it up at the top, but by the time you get to the bottom, you're not stopping that thing. And it's called the snowball effect, right? 
Same thing's true for temptation. When you're first being tempted, it's a whole lot easier to say no than if you kind of play with it and just let it sit there and you, you just simmer on the back burner. And the longer you wait, the harder it is. Can you think of a positive example of somebody in the Bible who ran away from temptation? Everybody's saying, Joseph! See what a great example it is! Can you think of any people in the Bible who didn't run away from temptation? Everybody else! <laughs> I think of David, right? David, oh, sorry, go ahead, Dorothy. That's right, run, but don't let that nitty grab you. Sure. But, you know, I think of David. He's up on the rooftop. When he saw what he shouldn't, there was nothing wrong with him being up there, okay? When he says up on the rooftop, this is a place of living. It was a place to get out of the heat, okay? When he glanced over and saw what he should have said, he could have immediately turned around, gone back inside, but he didn't. He didn't run. He didn't even walk. What? He should have been on the battlefield in the first place. Exactly. Okay, so the second thing under do whatever you can, can to say no, number two, depend on God's strength. Somebody mentioned that earlier. I don't remember which one. We can't do it by ourselves. So I know God is God. We believe in the Trinity. Who do you think is more involved in helping us with temptation? God the Father, God the Son, or God the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit? Who? How many who would vote for God the Father? We vote for God the Son, Jesus. How many vote for the Holy Spirit? The Bible says all three. Look at these verses. Titus 2, verses 11 and 12. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all people. That's God the Father and God the Son. Training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. It's because of God's grace accomplished through Jesus Christ that we can have the strength to live a godly life. James 4, 7, and 8, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God, the Father. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Hebrews 2, 18, For because he, Jesus, has suffered when tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted. And then Galatians 5, 16, But I say, walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. All three members of the Godhead want to be involved in helping us overcome temptation. Number three, we're wrapping this up quick. Depend on others to help you with temptation. That goes back to what Melva said. She said, call me. Okay? We all need to have people we can depend on. I'm going to rush through the rest of it so we can get out of here. Hebrews 10, verses 24 to 25. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. 2 Timothy 2.22, I already quoted the first part, but I want to read the whole thing. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. We do this together. We're stronger together. Number four, combat temptation with God's word. Got Jesus' example, Psalm Y nineteen eleven. I've stored your, uh, I've stirred up your, stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Hebrews four twelve says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two edged sword. Ephesians six seventeen says, God's word is the sword of the spirit, which leads us to number five. Put on your spiritual armor and train yourself in spiritual warfare. Whole another topic, whole another study, but that's Ephesians six. 10 to 18, 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9, and James 4, 7 and 8. The last thing I want to say, how should this impact our lives? Everything we've said so far is me. But going back to what Carlton mentioned, letter D. Don't be a source of temptation for someone else. 
There's a very heavy warning here. We're going to finish with this. Luke 17, verses 1 and 2. Jesus said, and he said to his disciples, Temptations of sin are sure to come, but woe to the one through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were cast into the sea than that he should cause one of these little ones. And it's not just talking about children. It's talking about his disciples, his, his children, cause one of these little ones to sin. Don't be a source of temptation for someone else. So to wrap this all up, pray about temptation, but give every effort to avoid it and fight it. Depend on God, his resources, and other people. Let's pray. Father, thank you that we got through this tonight, Lord. Lots of stuff. Important topic because we all face temptation, and Lord, we have all failed in this area. We thank you that when we do, when we come to your repentance, you forgive us and help us get back up. Father, thank you that you have promised us the strength that we need. Help us to take advantage of that. Help us to use wisdom. Help us to stay out of situations and away from people that's going to cause us trouble to the best of our ability. And Father, help us to live lives, Lord God, that glorify you, that allow us to have a good, close relationship with you, and will also be a great example for the people around us. And Father, we thank you and praise you for all these things. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you've enjoyed listening to today's message or Bible study. For more information, please contact us at area code 352-347-3001 or visit us online. If you are interested in supporting this ministry, go to our website and click on the online giving tab. Our website address is www.marionoaksag.org. 